Merchant Sales Podcast. This is the podcast for merchant sales reps and industry professionals who want to understand the industry and learn how to grow their portfolio. Later in today's episode, you will get the insider's report when Patty talks about how to set your ISO apart. Whether you have hundreds of agents or a one-person operation, these tips will allow you to compete in your market. In our last segment, we'll get questions from the field. Today's questions include, what are the best sales and marketing strategies? How can I compete against Square? And where is the industry heading over the next five years? Now let's jump right into today's interview with Brian Kamstra, president of Retriever Merchant Solutions. All right, everybody, we're here with Brian Kamstra, president at Retriever. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing well, thank you. Awesome. Well, uh, Brian, I thought we would kind of get started off. Uh, a lot of people probably don't know you who are listening to the podcast, so maybe you could give us a little background. How did you get into the payment processing industry? Um, you know, how did all that come about? How long have you been in the industry? Give us a little background. Um, well, I guess we should start out by not uh, by dropping a uh, pretty big name out there, Jim Oberman, uh, sure. who started a, a little lease company called LFG Lease Finance Group. Jim and I have been best friends for a long, long time, and he is the one that actually introduced me to the industry way back in February of 1993, and at the time, uh, my introduction to the industry was uh, he hired me to run a call center to, um, to sell check guarantee over the phone, so that was my introduction to this wonderful industry. Wow. What were you doing before that? Oh, James, I, uh, I did several things, mostly sales related. Um, I had run a, a, a direct sales company in the meat business. And at the time I was, uh, I had a, a seat uh, at the Chicago Board of Trade in the Mid-Am is what they called it. And okay. I was actually uh, trading some commodities. Wow. Okay. So, so at what point during all of that process, uh, you have a call center going, at what point did Retriever, uh, come into the picture? Well, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, what I, I always had a career in sales and, um, it was just kind of a logical conclusion for me to go from selling check guarantee over the phone or running a call center that was doing that, uh, kind of graduating to the real deal, that being in the bank card business. So sure. it, it was, I believe, in March of 1994, probably a year later, after learning the industry from the check side, uh, I actually started a sales office. So that was 94. Did pretty well and uh, built up a sales office and in January of 1999, um, I had, uh, I guess, for lack of a better description, uh, a, a breakdown. And it was one of those events in life that changes your life. I basically did a lot of soul searching and uh, went through some interesting times. And it was through that that I literally started over that's how I was led to Retriever. I had looked at several other organizations, and Retriever just really stood out to me. And so in September of 1999, although I had five years of experience in bank card by that time, I, I hooked up with Retriever. And, uh, of course, their headquarters, it was, we call them Legacy Retriever because they, uh, they were out of Houston, Texas, 
at okay. the time. Wow. That's a powerful story. Um, so you come to Retriever. Uh, you know, obviously there's some things that attracted you to Retriever at that time and now running the company. What are some things about Retriever that attracted you back then? Uh, are those things still in place today? Tell us a little bit more about Retriever. What, what do you think sets that organization apart? Well, remember, the, the Retriever that I started with in 1999 was a full-service processor, or actually I, would, I guess you would consider them a super ISO because okay. uh, they were an ISO of First National Bank of Omaha. So the Retriever that I knew then, uh, they, 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 they literally were a family, and they had a lot of sales reps. I don't really remember how many deals they were doing, but they were pretty large. But they really, it was kind of this big family. Mm. And um, so I was very attracted to that side of, uh, of what Retriever was. And I, the name of my company was Retriever Payment Systems. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, James. It was Select Merchant Service. That was okay. the actual corporate side. Of course, doing business as, as Retriever. Right. But as time went on, uh, for those, uh, some, some people obviously listening would know that Retriever was sold um, and, and, and the name was actually changed to NPC. I was allowed to keep the name Retriever. So technically, I am Select Merchant Services Incorporated doing business as Retriever Merchant Solutions. So, so as I, so I, I just kind of want to make that clear that there yeah. were kind of two Retrievers. Right, right. But as I built my ISO, which kept the name Retriever, because frankly, I loved the name, uh, I copied a lot of what I knew from the mothership Retriever. I, 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 first of all, there's a lot of great ISOs out there, but um, I just liked the, the, the part of Retriever that was kind of family-orientated. And, you know, it sounds kind of corny and all that kind of stuff that, hey, we're a big family here, but... It's actually true, and um, if I may, James, uh, maybe just kind of talk a little bit about you know how we handle our reps because it's kind of right. similar to the way I learned. Yeah. Um, and you know we kind of specialize in catering to the needs of, of individual sales reps, and uh, we do that, of course, with uh, account reps that that handle all of our sales reps kind of like personal assistance. And I think another thing that, that has helped us as a, as a company is, again, for lack of a better expression, I'm kind of a player's manager where, you know what, I, I sold bank card for right. many, many years. So I know what it's like to be a commission sales rep, not just in the, my retriever world, but in my sales world before that. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just have to say that uh, I was taught really well from from the owners of Retriever Payment Systems, and uh, have kind of carried on that into uh, Retriever Merchant Solutions. Sure. Um, you know, one interesting thing that you mentioned is you have that experience both before Bank Card and and now, you know, and then coming up in Bank Card of commission sales. Obviously, a lot of salespeople in our industry struggle. Some do incredibly well. You've had opportunity over the years, I'm sure, to work with you know dozens, if not hundreds, of successful merchant services sales reps. 
are there some characteristics that you've noticed for people that are listening right now that maybe they're, you know, they were just selling insurance or cars and now they're getting into this industry and they're wondering what does a successful merchant services rep do? What do they do differently than the average rep? Have you noticed any kind of characteristics that, that would define that? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, great question too. Um, and I would think that some of the char- characteristics that I would mention right now would be uh, the same characteristics uh, for successful um, sales reps in any industry. But, uh, sure. the, you know, what I have found after working with, as you said, probably hundreds of sales reps in the merchant world, uh, the bank card world, I, I think I would start with attitude. Uh, you know, you, you the, the successful individuals in this industry that I've worked with and have working with us actually have, I guess, two two aspects of attitude. One being pure and simple, positive mental attitude, just having sure. the ability to get up every morning and, uh, you know, no matter what situation they're in, they still have that positive mental attitude. And I guess I would – now, this may – I don't know if this will make sense, but uh, I guess the other side of uh, of a positive attitude is it's not just a mental attitude. It's what a dear friend of mine, Rich Norton, uh, likes to call the attitude of gratitude. And I think that matters uh, with successful people. Uh, right. We have an individual, like I, like I said, Rich Norton, uh, who – exhibits these characteristics when it comes to attitude. Here's a guy that's been with me from the very beginning. He uh, literally one one year uh, did uh, over 600 applications in a year, and he consistently uh, is doing, you know, 300-plus a year. So attitude, I'll just quickly say I, I think another characteristic I've seen with successful sales reps would be the ability to be successful through adversity, um, I, I yeah. tell you what, uh, you show me any successful person and, uh, and, and you're going to see a person that doesn't always have a great life. Uh, there's right. always things that happen in life. So we have to understand that we all go through stuff, but, um, you know, you keep going. And uh, I, I, I think that's a, a big uh, plus and a big positive. It's a characteristic that I've seen and successful people. And I, I think maybe lastly, and I, I suppose this would make sense, is you got to have a good work ethic, of course. Um, especially in this business, uh, bank card industry, part-time doesn't make it. you got to be willing to to get out there uh, bright and early and stay out there until, in many cases, until you've written that deal. Um, but I, I would say work ethic has got to be uh, of on that list of characteristics. Yeah, I always tell uh, I always tell reps that you know being a hard worker doesn't guarantee your success. It's just a prerequisite. Absolutely. Um, yeah, oh, I you, couldn't agree more. You have to have that. So, so I have one more question for you, and then I'm actually going to turn it over to my co-host Patty here, who may have some follow-up questions for you. And and this is something she's going to be talking about a little bit later in, in our episode. But you know, obviously, the new rage in the industry is cash discounting. Everybody's talking about it. I know you have a really strong cash discounting program with your agents, and you know, you went through the process of rolling this out, helping the reps understand it, helping them get out and sell it, and all that. So. Um, can you share a little bit with us of how has that process been? What are your feelings now about cash discounting? You know, how did you kind of make that transition? 
Well, um, cash discount. Uh, honestly, I'll answer it this way out of the gate. I believe the jury is still out with the program. Um, uh, when it first, I, I first started hearing about it a couple years ago, and I, I started, whenever I would hear about it, somebody would say, hey, you ought to look at this. I would say, like, what? What do you mean? Uh, you're going to make the customer pay the fees? That doesn't sound right to me. But <laughs> obviously, it's, it is somewhat of a rage. Uh, it is taking, um, taking a foothold. In, in certain geographical areas and in certain types of businesses. I will say this, that yes, James, we have certainly embraced it uh, because it's another option for our sales reps. Um, I would also say that, you know, when I, when, I, when I really decided to embrace it, I did investigate a lot of programs and uh, we do feel like we're positioned in a very, very positive place when it comes to cash discounting. And um, I guess I don't mind saying to you that probably about 20% of our business right now is cash discounting. So um, wow. I, I, I'm not sure where it's going to go, uh, but I kind of have this feeling like it's going to be around for a while. And so, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it, but um, sure. we're certainly – keeping our eye on on what the associations are going to do and and so I I'm really not sure what the future is for it but right now we're we're enjoying it. Brian, this is Patty. Um I agree with you. Like like you early on I thought cash discounts were were almost a fool's errand for for and I and I don't mean that in in a in a I mean, I don't really mean that in a sarcastic way, but I, I felt it was very difficult because I, as a, as a consumer, for example, um, why should I have to pay for the, the retailer to accept credit cards? Um, but, I, you know, I've also noticed that it's become more and more popular, and as um, one of the things I particularly noticed is it plays out in gas stations, for example, and has been playing out in that area for, for a long time. So I'm wondering, you know, what is it? that you have to look for in a program like this to to make sure that you're you're getting the best deal for you for your for your uh portfolio as well as for the you know for the individual merchants that you're working with well and you mentioned gas stations so uh that is um you know that's certainly one of the verticals if you will that you know i think this program works for um you know, there's a there's a lot of different variations um, of cash discounting, or in some circles you'll hear surcharging, mm -hmm. and then you'll 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 start to to listen if you listen carefully, you and and if you really look intently at at the programs, there is a difference between cash discounting and surcharging. I know that you guys are going to do. Uh, some kind of a program on that later. I, I, I would think that we wouldn't get into deep into the details, but no, of course not. But there, uh, definitely, there are differences, sure. Yeah, and, and but I'm gonna I'm gonna say again. I, I I you know, I believe in any program uh, there can be uh, there can be 
misrepresentations to the programs. Right. You know what I mean? You can, you can take a really good program and in the wrong hands, somebody's going to do um, things with this with any program that that isn't right. Mm-hmm. And so I I think I'm always looking that it's still fairly priced. Um, one of the one of the things with the program that we're involved in, the, the cash discounting program that we embraced is the way the merchant is being billed and and that's important i'm not i once again won't go into the details of that um uh, we'd be happy to go into more details if if some of the listeners want want to know more information that's fair to say right james i can say that yeah absolutely. Uh, so uh but i do think it's very important in how the merchants are being billed how it's being priced um so i, I would say those are a few things that 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 I'm really watching carefully in how we present cash discounting. Um, and I would also just just would wonder also, there also would seem to be an education process that would be necessary for the merchants as well as for the merchants in educating their customers, correct? You know what? Spot on. And I'm glad you brought that up because I missed that, and that's the obvious. The other thing that we, we do not allow our sales reps to – to go out there with this product unless they are uh, educated. Absolutely correct. There has to be a lot of education so that it's presented properly to the merchant. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's actually some compliance. I mean, this is not, you know, just go out there and, you know, you heard cash discounting is a great idea. Go start selling it. You know, well, yeah, but there's some compliance issues, some things the merchant actually needs to do and how they communicate that to the consumer, their signage. And, you know, so there's a lot of details that go into these programs, right? And and I think a lot of ISOs I've seen that maybe are missing some of those details along the way. And I would also, just, just to, to add on to that, um, it would also seem to me that there are some technology requirements sure, in terms of, you know, how, how the uh, receipts are rendered and so forth, right? Well, there are. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole different receipt. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Yeah. And uh, that that's where education comes in. That's where uh, you got to make sure that uh, the sales reps that are that are out there presenting this this product are are you know completely aware of how to present it and they're presenting it the proper way because I, as I was saying earlier in the wrong hands I mean there's there's always abuse to ser- to, to every program in 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 Bankard there could be abuse sure. to the purest of programs and uh, we we really have to to guard that and and we have to protect the merchant and we have to protect uh, the Bankard companies the processors sure. Well, Brian, thanks for the the info on that. Um, last question I always like to ask anybody I interview. Obviously, hundreds of people are going to listen to this podcast that are out in the field selling merchant services. Um, what would be some kind of final words that you would give them, some words of encouragement or instruction for, hey, you know, they've been out there, they've been doing this for, you know, three, six, nine months, they like it, but, you know, they're not sure how to move forward with it. Are there any just kind of general words of encouragement or instruction you give people that are newer to the industry? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I'll say, I'll say to those that are out there listening, uh, the same thing I say to our sales reps um, every January when we all get together. Um, you are in a phenomenal industry. This is a tremendous industry. Um, it has a lot of legs left. It has many, many years left in it. I would say just make sure that you get with a company. It doesn't have to be ours, by the way. 
uh, get with a company that you trust and that you can verify that trust. And uh, so if you get in with the right uh, company and and just keep working hard, apply some of these uh, some of these um, attitudes that we talked about, some of the characteristics that we talked about earlier, it's a great career. Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure all of our listeners will enjoy this interview very much. Thanks so much for sharing all the information. Thank you, Brian. Oh, you're welcome. Great, great. To, I'm, I'm so, so uh, happy that you had me on. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by Greensheet.com, a premier resource for the electronic payments industry. The Greensheet has been on the beat since 1983, always focused on boosting the feet on the street in our evolving sphere. The card payment space we have today is largely shaped by merchant-level salespeople, those feet on the street who began by helping merchants migrate their paper-based card acceptance practices to electronic authorizations and settlement. Much has changed over the last years, about 40 years, I'd say, particularly the scope of services offered through MLSs. In addition to basic card processing, many merchants now look to MLSs for everything from customer outreach to financial management tools. What hasn't changed, however, is the need for a strong connection between MLS and card-accepting merchants, a mutually beneficial business partnership. We've been focusing a lot on this at the Green Sheet. My colleague, Dale Lazig, has coined the phrase MLS 2.0 to describe the current state of the industry. In the lead story in our June 11th edition, Dale points to four attributes of success for MLSs in this new 2.0 environment. Over and above good people and sales skills, they need to promote security, they need to advocate compliance, they must be resourceful, and they must be discoverable. Good stuff. Wow. So uh, talk a little bit more about MLS 2.0, Patty. What does that mean exactly? I, I think it means, I mean, in my, my interpretation of it, is that it's a new environment. Sure. It's not just about selling. It's about relationships. Sure. And that in the, in the early days, it was all about selling. It was all about how many merchants can you sign up, how fast can you sign them up. Sure. And, you know, how, 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 bulk, how you could bulk up your portfolio. Right. And unfortunately, how fast will they cancel? Right. Right. So that, that, that quick process of right. not providing a value proposition that was customized to the merchant also created that massive attrition right. that everybody now is trying to avoid. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's good. So jump into the first one. Tell us a little bit more about security and, and, uh, and you know what kind of the thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's plenty of overlap between all four of these attributes. Sure. Um, but on, on promoting security, I think the point here is that merchants need to understand the cost benefits of security. What they're looking for from MLSs is help in responding to these changing market conditions and threats. I mean, security threats are rampant. Sure. Everybody's reading about Target and all these data breaches, and they're freaking out. And they're freaking out. And sure. I don't know about you, but I often hear from small merchants when I'm shopping. Yep. And I'll, and I'll quiz them on their security. Right. You know, I can't help it. And, um, and they always say, ah, that's just Target's problem. Nobody's going nobody's gonna to breach my system. Sure. And I think to myself, and I've said to them, I wouldn't be so sure about that. Yeah, well, and I think, too, even as a merchant-level sales rep, once you've been doing it for a while and you've had a couple of merchants that have received those investigations by Visa or those, you know, I had a merchant that had $90,000 in fees 
because of a compliance breach. Wow. And, you know, when you, I mean, it literally almost put him out of business. Mm -hmm. He was like just one one hair away from going out of business. Mm -hmm. uh, that was probably six years ago. And, and like, you know, when you when you see that, you know, it's, I tell people, I say compliance is like car insurance. It's not important at all unless you get unless in a car you wreck. Unless you need it. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's true. And, and that's the thing. I mean, MLSs really need to do their homework so that they can help merchants navigate this minefield. Sure. I Absolutely. mean, it really is a minefield, I do think. You, do you think it's the kind of thing that our smaller merchants starting to think about it and they, they have an interest in it? Or is it more that it's something the MLSs need to push? Like, is there an interest now of small merchants where they're asking about this more, do you think? I, I think it's a little bit of each. I think sure. uh, there are certain merchants, particularly those who are technology savvy, sure, uh, particularly e-commerce type merchants, right. that are much more aware right. of Absolutely. the risks. And they're 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 perhaps more proactive than right. the coffee shop down the street. Sure, um, sure. But I I don't think that um, that 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 should necessarily stay that way. Sure. Well, it's funny. Like uh, a couple months ago we were integrating with a gateway with the software we were building mm -hmm. and my lead developer, which it's amazing how much these macro events have affected, like for, you know, this is like a, a new vertical. It's this tiny, tiny, you know, deal, but my lead developer is terrified of, <clears throat> we got to make sure we do it this way because we don't want any PCI issues. We got to make sure there's no, you know, and so as a kind of small merchant and that, you know, one business that I own, Right. I can tell you that does have an impact. I feel like you know. Oh, for sure. You're, for you're, sure. you're always thinking about it. We don't. We don't want to be in the headlines. We don't want to be the the story that had the data breach or whatever. You know. Yeah, and, and in fact, I had a. I just personally, I had a, I had a situation not long ago where I used my almost never used my business debit card for a, a gas station. Sure. Right. Because gas stations aren't don't have to be EMV right. compliant right now. Right. But it was one of those situations. I didn't have anything else on me. I went into the store. My card was breached that night. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and I you know, I went to the store and I said it had to be here because it's the only, only place, place I've used this card. <laughs> and right. you sh you should be really scared because yeah. I mean, I'm I'm the type of person who, you know, I'm on the account every day just to make right. sure everything's sure. copacetic. Right. But what if I hadn't been? Yeah. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, I immediately called up you know, my, my right. bank, said, you know, stop the card. But, again, sure. that was a, a small <laughs> gas station in, in a, yeah. you know, in a small city. Sure. That probably thought, well, you know, we have, we have, a, we have a dozen gas stations around this right. town. We can't afford to do We're all fine. that right now. Sure. We'll be fine. Yeah. And they're not. So talk about, uh, you know, that one. Then the next one kind of goes with it, it, right? Right. Pretty much advocating compliance. Right. Um, but it's more than just, you know, in my mind— uh, advocating compliance is more than just promoting adherence to PCI, right? Um, or EMV security, for that for that matter. Sure. You know, merchants are looking for automated tools. I think that can help ensure compliance with a minimal number of disruptions. Right. Um, to that end, we're, I think we're seeing a trend towards automated self-assessment questionnaires, for example. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? I mean, we have. To, I mean, something like that is it's, so necessary. Right. Yeah. Um, Equipment scanning and training exercises. Sure, we're seeing a lot more. To I, I see a lot more of that type mm -hmm. of of capability coming across my desk. Sure, um, and, and 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 particularly exercises, training, and exercises that address specific configurations, hardware configurations, sure. and process processing. Well, and, and even like uh, touchscreen point of sale. I mean, that's a big. Right. You know, all of a sudden we have all these 
hardware systems out there, and many times the merchant has no idea, is this card information being stored on my computer? Right. Is it being stored in a cloud service somewhere that maybe isn't PCI compliant, right? So there's a lot of there's a lot of variables now. There's a lot of variables, and it's really incumbent upon the MLS to, to understand, understand those variables sure. and, 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 and to make sure that everything is is taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That's I mean, good I, again, that comes into that whole right. being a partner sure. with your merchant. You know what's actually funny? I hadn't even thought about this before, but you know, you're talking about advocating compliance. We touched earlier on the interview with Brian about cash discounting. Mm -hmm. You would not believe the number of ISOs I've talked to in the last six months that have called me up for advice or consulting or whatever about cash discounting. And I'm like, okay, are you putting any signage in the business? Uh, you know, about, mm -hmm. the, oh, mm -hmm. do you, you need a sign? I'm like, okay. One I talked to recently, uh, there are several actually that have already been getting some legal notifications because they've programmed the terminal to literally send the service fee through as a surcharge. It's listed as a surcharge, but it's on a check card, which you're not allowed to do. So, right. so I think there's even some of these new pricing structures. It's just compliance is becoming a bigger deal in our industry. And if we don't want our industry to go further down the regulation path, we have to take it upon ourselves, right, to, to yes. push for that. And, and and that's so important because it is going to – that's what happens. You're dealing with – consumers right and even you know as we learned in the Durban debate even right. mer small merchants are, are viewed as consumers right and uh, you got to be really careful with consumer information yep absolutely so the uh, the next point that I wanted to bring up was being discoverable right or standing out from the crowd and that that really requires a unique value proposition and consistent brand messaging Payments, and here I use the generic term payments um, because I think, uh, you know, we all know merchants don't care whether it's a card, a check, or, or whatever. They just want their money. They just want their money. It's become a commodity service, payments has, with lots of financial technology firms jockeying for position. You know, think PayPal and Square, for example. Sure. Unlike these behemoths, which want to be every man's payment service provider, um, what we're witnessing, I think, among ML, a growing number of MLSs and their upstream partners is the uh, desire to embrace vertical markets, more vertical specialization. Um, yeah. You know, I think this is a major shift from the first four decades. Oh, yeah. Uh, when the goal was to sign up as many merchants as possible. And now it's about, okay, I'm really good. I have a friend who runs a small ISO out, uh, out in the Midwest, and he's like, I'm really good dealing with auto aftermarket firms. Wow. And yeah. he's also really good with dealing with, he told me he was, you know, he really likes dealing with um, hospitality, like small motels, hotels sure. type places. Yep. And, and I asked him one time, I said, why do you feel so comfortable? And he's like, because I was in those businesses. Sure. He knows it. I know it. I know how yeah. to address the problems mm. that they have. You know, it's like one of the ways I look at it is, you know, uh, before Walmart, there were so many retail stores that sold everything. Right. You know, after Walmart came in and says, we're, we're massive, we're selling everything imaginable, you know, most of the really successful retail businesses that have started up, they don't sell clothing anymore. They sell uniforms for nurses. Right. They sell whatever, you know, Men's dinosaur memorabilia. Clothes, right. Uh, they're you know, specializing. They're very specialized. Right. And so basically what I hear you saying is, you know, Square, PayPal, these fintech companies, Stripe, they are kind of becoming the 
you know, can conglomerate them together. They're kind sure. of becoming a Walmart. the Walmart of our industry, right? They are. So yeah. to compete, you have to specialize and stand out. Exactly. Yeah. How do you think that that impacts the, you know, the, the merchant level salesperson who's looking for an ISO? How, how does that impact them? What, you know, should, should the, should the rep themselves begin to specialize more? And if so, how do they do that? What are some tips you'd give? I, I think there's a couple of different ways you can, you can go at that. You can, you can be a, a specialist yourself and then, you know, go to a, an ISO and say, Hey, this, this is, is what I do. This is what I do. Sure. Does this fit with your, with your business model? Right. Um, but I also think it's really, you know, there's also a lot to be said. There are some ISOs out there that are really good. Mm-hmm. in particular verticals. Right. If that's something you're interested in, you should, you know, that that should be a that's a great way to start. Sure. Yeah, and I think too it's one of the things that I think is a big missed opportunity with a lot of ISOs I've consulted with and or even that use our tool things like that. Mm-hmm. Um they just don't really have marketing materials or branded materials for these specific verticals. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I'm yeah. always like, okay, I want to go sell a pizza shop. Do you have a brochure for me on what you offer for a pizza shop? Oh no. You know, just tell them we have a low transaction fee. Well, that's I might need a little more than that. <laughs> you know, I mean, again, a low transaction fee would have been great ten years ago. Right, but not today. Not today. Not no, today. The pizza parlor wants to. He, you know, he's going to want to think about okay, uh, my order, you know, my supply chain considerations, my employee time and attendance sure. stuff. Uh, if you have drivers, you have you know all the right. considerations for that. Yeah, um, it's much more you know it's it's, yeah. it's much more refined. Well, and I think it's like for for these businesses to compete long term, the relationship is going to have to grow with someone. If you're right. the if you're the salesperson that went in there and set them up with their fancy you know VX five twenty, that's great. But just understand that five years from now they're going to have a touchscreen point of sale. Right. Either you're going to sell it to them or somebody else is, and then you're going to lose the business. Right. So even if they're not ready to buy that today and you're not ready to sell it today, you know, you need to be learning more about that vertical, right? So you can find that technology they're going to need. And, and, and yeah, and, and grow, grow your business with that vertical. Right. Because those needs are going to evolve over time. Sure. And, 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 and so are, um, so are the technologies that can support yeah. it. And that's the one thing I think is really important. And I'd be interested in your thought on this as well is, you know, there's so many technologies out there. Sure. I mean, you almost have to be, be a geek. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like just, me. <laughs> right. I mean, seriously. I mean, right. you really almost have to be a geek to, 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 to know yeah. how to best address yeah. this market mm. and your well, particular verticals. But, you know, to me, the interesting thing is it, it also kind of goes to the other side, which is marketing. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yes. So it's like in today, you know, everything about selling merchants today works best when you focus. Right. Because when you focus on a specific vertical, you can produce that weekly email update that goes out to these businesses. And it's very specific. It's very valuable because it just talks about how to improve your clothing resale shop or how to improve your child daycare center, whatever it is. So, you know, I think from a marketing perspective, you know, I'm a salesperson, I'm a marketing guy. So, you know, when I'm marketing something, the, the more I can, you know, you know, constrict to get to that niche. And go, okay, well, I don't want to go after retail. I want to go after clothing retailers, but mm-hmm. not just clothing retailers. I want to go after children's clothing retailers. Well, now everything about my marketing from my business cards, my domain, my marketing materials, uh, you know, the, the payment processing plan, the point of sale system, everything now is more valuable to that niche because I was able to specialize. Right. And you can also create migration paths. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that makes you much more of a business partner. Uh, being resourceful, and that's probably um, one of the most intriguing ones in my mind because 
I think we're seeing a trend towards ISOs and their sales partners to tailor app, just as we were saying, to tailor mm -hmm. applications that can address specific business models and requirements. Sure. Um, the use cases for these apps, in my mind, are almost unlimited. Include, and they can include payroll processing, inventory management, social media awareness, rewards and loyalty program management, and, of course, cash discount programs. Sure. Um, there's also, you know, um, many merchants require working capital. Oh, yeah. And MLSs that work with funders can be a valuable resource to merchants, and it can be a great way to make some make money. money. Of course. Yeah. So, huh. yeah, I think, um, you know, I agree with that. I mean, I, I think it's the challenge is when you're dealing with whether you are an individual rep or it's an ISO that has individual reps. Right. The challenge, again, like we talked about last time, that focus, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's it's tough because you roll out this new, you know, rewards program. And I think it's important as a as an ISO when you roll that out, you got to let your merchant level salesperson know where does this fit in the sales cycle, mm -hmm. because if you're not careful, they're going to say, "Oh, that's so cool! I'm going to lead off with that." Right. And all they're going to sell is the free rewards program, and then they're going to try to follow up and sell 10% of those people merchant services. So I think you know it's important for the ISO like they have to communicate that mm -hmm. and say mm -hmm. we're still selling merchant services. That's our pitch is the same, but once you get them, or maybe it is a hook that says. This is how we grab them. We, you know, I love stuff where it's like you have to get our merchant services to get this. Yes, but it's extra and it's cool. Right, right. And 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 I and I do think that um, in a way you're kind of rewarding your merchants, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and and of course attrition. You know, always reducing attrition. Always, always. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> seems to be so much more important than it ever was before. Sure. Yeah. Um, I wanted to speak just briefly on cash discounts, sure. if that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. Because I think that these are becoming an opportunity for MLSs and their merchants. And I think it's in large part thanks to the Durban Amendment. Um, yeah. Yes, the Durban Amendment. Because in, in addition to capping debit card interchange, this portion of the Dodd-Frank Act um, provided federal authorization. Right. For uh, merchant discounting of cash purchases. Yep. Um, Surcharging, while authorized by Visa and under Visa and MasterCard rules, uh, is prohibited under the laws of at least 10 states. And they're all the biggest states. And they're all big states like New York, Florida, California. Sure. I mean, if, right. you, if you can't do it in New York and California. Then why exactly? Then, you well, know. And, and plus the other thing, too, is it's so restrictive because, you know, the two big problems with surcharging is, number one, the name is terrible. Right. Right. Like we talked about earlier. Right. Um, and so you have that to that hurdle. But then even if you overcome that hurdle, well, you can't – you know, if you have a, a hot dog stand or a coffee shop, then regulated check cards are the highest effective rate interchange. Right. You can't surcharge them because you can't surcharge check cards. Correct. So, so yeah. why do it? Why do it? <laughs> and I do think that the psychological impact of a surcharge you know, yep. is, is very strong. As a consumer, I'm happy to get a discount, but I'm not happy to pay a surcharge. Yeah. Absolutely. I pay enough surcharges for my utilities, right? <laughs> right. Um, and anyway, I, I several um, reports suggest, and I would agree, that consumers also like the idea right. of getting a deal. Right. Um, but I also found some other interesting information. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but the Federal Reserve does a study every year or so of uh, consumer payment preferences. Okay. And in 2015... They found that the average cash discount paid by consumers was 1.9% on a median ticket of $20. Wow. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, I that, thought that was very interesting. That's interesting. I think that number is going to dramatically change over the next few years. Oh, and I think it may have changed already. already? But it's, you know, yeah. I, I couldn't get any more recent research sure. than that I, sure. at the moment. But I, and what was interesting was uh, where, the, where these discounts were most common. Automobile vehicle related? Sure. Seems very, yep. very reasonable. That doesn't surprise me. Um, entertainment? Really? Yes. That's one surprises me a little bit. So what are you talking about, like movie theaters and movie stuff? Movie theaters or... Huh. Uh, but think about it. I mean, I don't know about you, but the last time I went to the theater, it was $15 for a ticket. Right. I can get that ticket for... Right. $14? Right. I can right. buy the extra big popcorn, right? Exactly, <laughs> right. That money is going to be... You're going to get the discount, but then you're going to use it on something else anyway, right? Most so. cases, right? Sure. I, I think concerts, I mean, I don't know, you know, sure. I, I grew up in a period where you could go to a concert for $20. Now it's $200, right? Right. Sure. Well, if I'm going to get a 2% discount, right. I'd think about that. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, um, Any other business types they mentioned in there? No, those were the three. This, the, the from the Fed's ones. report, that yeah. was the three main ones. But I, the other yeah. ones I've heard are, um, are um, electronics. From sure. talking to people like out electronic the stores. Yes, electronic sure. stores. Sure. Um, that that's a big one. Yeah. Well, and, and I think too because they pay so much money. I mean, on a you know five hundred dollar computer, I think that the you know the merchant is highly incentivized in that situation to offer a cash discount because they don't want to pay the they don't want to pay the twenty seven dollar you know fee when somebody uses their corporate rewards card to buy that computer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm sure that happens a lot. And and another place that I and this is interesting. This was a, an aside that I heard from somebody mm -hmm. and. Um, who was out selling um, cash discounts, and he he suggested to me that um, it's much more prevalent among people that are libertarians or lean in that direction. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. You know, they don't want to have the kind of the government control. They don't want the government control. Sure, and they look at the Visa, Mastercard as and, and the big banks as kind of in a collusion. Correct. Sure. Correct. Yeah. And I so for them, that. it's it's a it's you know okay sure, sure I'm, I don't have. A, I'm getting cash, so I don't have right. to report it all to the government. Sure. And B, I'm not paying those big banks, and I hate, right. you know, of course, that's that's part of their yeah. tenor. They don't yeah. like big banks. They don't like big government. Right. Well, I'll tell you, to me, I mean, just being out in the field, talking to reps that are selling it, I think the other really big thing it's hard to overstate is it's it is a network effect, meaning that if I'm a yes. pizza shop and I have seven local competitors. You know, if three of them are doing cash discounting, you can sell me on cash discounting, no problem. Right. If none of them are doing it, well, that's a little bit of a tougher sale because now all of a sudden I'm maybe perceived as at a competitive disadvantage. Right. So like one of the sales tactics I've been talking about a lot on, on our videos at ccsalespro.com is, you know, go out there and have that list of seven and say, go to the first one and say, hey, I'm going to all seven of these pizza shops. I think all of you should do this. Right. You know, why, you know, why should you pay merchant services fees? So, but it is kind of more of a group sales approach because again, they, this is something that gets easier and easier to sell at, again, as you focus on a vertical. Right. And as you kind of like get them on board, then the other person, all of a sudden, the last person to sign up is actually at a competitive disadvantage. Yes. Because they're paying merchant services fees and nobody else is. Right. So I think that's I think that's really important. Well, those are four uh, really good things in the cash discounting at the end there. That's some really good information. Any, any final words on this? Um, no, I think that pretty much sums it up. I think we've covered a lot. Awesome. Thanks, Patty. Thank this is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com. CC Sales Pro is the leader in merchant sales training and creator of instantquotetool.com, the quickest way to provide your merchants with an accurate estimate on the spot. 
Visit us today to start your free 30-day trial or inquire about our branded ISO solutions. My name is James Shepard from ccsalespro.com and these are questions from the field. Our first question comes from Thomas Molina. Thomas says that he wants to know more about the effective sales strategies for merchant services right now in the industry. How are people selling credit card processing? So this is a question I get more than almost any other. And the way I answer it is that the tried and true methods still work. Uh, Number one on the list would be walking out in the field and walking into businesses. Now, the only thing I would say to adjust that strategy is over the last kind of four or five years, I've started adjusting that to go more after verticals. We've talked about it a lot in this episode already. Focus on a vertical. Yes, it's great to walk into businesses cold turkey if you're able to do that, if you have the emotional fortitude to do that. But start by walking into every pizza shop in your area. Then walk into every auto repair shop in your area, you know, et cetera, on down the line. And the reason is because each vertical has specific objections. Each vertical has specific technologies that they're going to want, value proposition, pricing. So get all of that together together and then go on a campaign to sell that particular merchant. So walking in is great. Calling on the phone to schedule appointments is another really good one. The third one is content creation. This is the one that's used the least right now in our industry for sure. But even as an individual rep, you could create that blog or that Facebook group that specifically focuses on a vertical and talks about payment processing and the broader value proposition. And with just a little bit of Facebook advertising budget, a little bit of feet on the street to gather email addresses, phone calls, you can leverage that content strategy both to generate leads after a while, but initially to really nurture those leads along. So those are the top three that I know of, Thomas. Thanks for the question. Our next question comes in and the question, there's a, it's a long one, but the beginning says, is there a quick way to get good at making merchant sales fast? And I thought I would just give a really quick answer to this question because the answer is, are you ready? No, there's not a quick way to get good at doing anything fast. But the good news is if you put in the work, And if you continue to listen to podcasts like this one, watch videos, read the green sheet, learn about the industry, that will be one part of the equation. And you can really become an expert in this field, which is going to be great for you. The second thing you have to do is you have to know how to sell. Why do people discount this so much? You know, if you want to sell merchant services, break down that sentence. What do you want to do? You want to sell So you need to know how to sell. If you don't know how to sell, the good news is that there are thousands of books and audio programs that will teach you how to sell. So you need to be spending time every single day. Shut off the radio. Believe me, talk radio is not going to help you make more sales today. It's just going to make you angry no matter what your belief system is. Listen to that stuff later on when you're done working. And when you're on the road getting ready to go, listen to those sales audio programs. Read those sales uh, books in the morning. So learn how to sell. The second part is you want to sell what? You want to sell merchant services. So that means you need to know something about merchant services. Do your research. Do your homework. Don't be satisfied with sending a statement off to your ISO, getting a spreadsheet back that you don't understand, and then going to make a pitch to the merchant. You're going to sound like an idiot, and they're not going to buy from you. Know what you're talking about. Become an expert. Hopefully that helped answer your question. Our next question comes from Vicky, and Vicky asks a question that every merchant level sales representative in ISO is asking right now, which is, how do I compete with Square? Why are merchants using Square instead of using me? How do I compete against that? Well, 
you know, the first thing, and I really, I wanted Patty to jump in on this one because this is a tough question to answer, right, mm-hmm. Patty? Oh, yeah. Um, right. Number one in my mind, you have to understand the mindset of the merchant. Why are they using Square? They're using it because of the simplicity. Mm-hmm. They look at it as, oh, you mean I never have to talk to a merchant services sales rep again? You mean I never have to decide which processor I'm going to go with again? It's simple. Yes, simplicity is so important, especially for small merchants. Right. You know, and I think one of the things that some people kind of forget is that Square burst onto the scene and offered credit card processing to a bunch of people who the merchant level salespeople were not approaching. Absolutely. They they went after a market segment that they knew was wide open. And what they did when they did that is they created awareness. Yep. You know, so I feel that a lot and I have friends who do like uh, fairs and sure. concerts and things like yeah, that. Flea market. They, yeah, flea market, yeah. you know. They never would have taken a credit card except that they can put that square dongle on their yep. on their phone. But as their business grows, they're going to need something more than what Square can provide. Sure. So I think I think the main thing you have to understand first, right, is you're kind of fighting that simplicity a little bit. I, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I have a couple of, you know, they sound really corny and cheesy, but they work for me as these sales lines. I often tell a merchant, I say, hey, you know what? They'll tell me, why use Square? Because it's so simple. It's so easy. And I say, you know, they actually made a car recently. I don't know if you heard about it. It just has one door. It's so <laughs> simple. And they're uh-huh. like, they start, they know immediately what I'm saying and they laugh. And I say, you know, simplicity is great, but simplicity isn't always the best thing. Right. And, you know, the other thing too I talked to them about is with Square, you know, they're not all flat rate anymore. Everybody thinks they're flat rate. Right. Well, if your business is using the Square register, it's not. Right. They have a transaction fee. If your business is accepting payments online or over the phone, they're not flat rate. Right. Uh, right. And so they're not quite as simple as they like to come off as. And so I talked to them about that. And then I think the other thing is, you know, the ISOs really have caught up in terms of technology. Yes. They have, right? I oh, mean, yeah. these small merchants, they're not looking for amazing features. They want a really inexpensive tablet point of sale system where they can keep track of inventory. If you can't sell that right now, you need to find another ISO. I mean, honestly, like that's everybody has that. Exactly. Right? I exactly. mean, everybody's at least selling Clover. Like they're selling something. I mean, you know, whatever it is. Right. And, and you know, and they all have the same functionality as Square. Yeah. And that, and that's the point I think I was, I was going at too is that, you know, for for the flea market guy or whatever, right. you know, just doing a simple transaction. But I went one time into a um, a bakery, mm-hmm. and they were using the square thing. Right. And I asked her, how many times do you have to replace that dongle? Because <laughs> all the flour flying around yep. the place. Sure. And she's like, oh, about once a month. Yep. And I said, you know, if I were you, I'd really talk to somebody about getting a real register. Real register in here. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing that's great, I mean, if you want to sell against Square, go to Google and search for Square Customer Service. Yes. That's all you have to do. Yes. You can scroll for days. Oh, and, and, oh, and just, I have done you know, that. I'm, I'm right? sure you have as well. Some yeah. of these stories are horror stories. You know, compliance issues. Uh, you know, and the other thing too is they're, they're a payfac, which I'm sure in a later episode we'll talk a lot about, right? Yes, sure. Uh, but, you know, they're a payfac, and, you know, because they're a payfac in the way that they've done it, um, you know, they hold merchants' money all the time mm-hmm. because they're not really approving the merchant. They're just putting them into a pot and seeing if they work. And a one red flag pops up, and all of a sudden the computer's Sayonara. holding all your money. Yeah. Yeah, or they're canceling your account and mm-hmm. holding on to that last. You know, and, and the thing is, too, it's always the big transaction. You know? Oh, yeah. The, the flower shop finally gets that wedding they've been waiting for. They process $1,500, and it gets held. Yeah. And their account gets canceled. Right. Right. So, again, I think there's a lot of things you can do to go after Square. um, But I really think, you know, what I try to do with it is I try to talk about how simplicity isn't always the best thing. 
to try to let's get that out of the way. And then I try to bring it back down as well to talk a little bit about price and technology. You know, you want to make sure you have the best deal, but you also need to have some service as well. Well, and that, and that I think is a real critical element there. I mean, when you're when you're working with uh, Square, mm -hmm. you don't have a person you can you can call or exactly. Turn to. And um, that's that's a value proposition that the MLS brings to the table sure. that I think is very, very important to a lot of merchants, particularly merchants that look to, that are looking to grow. Right. And I mean, the last one I'll throw out there, I mean, I won't talk about it much here, but I mean, hello, cash discounting. Mm -hmm. So Square doesn't do that. So they can say they're really cheap all day, but cheap isn't free. Right. Cash discounting. I mean, if you're talking about small, the merchants that are using Square, those are the merchants usually that are going to be a little bit more open to cash discounting. They're smaller shops, yeah. you know, they're not mega stores, you know. And 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 a lot of the merchants that are using Square just might not be worthwhile for exactly for, for exactly an up and coming MLS. Sure, I, I talked to a rep uh, two or three days ago that was explaining a, a situation to me, and I said, you know, stop trying to sell them. You know, Square is losing money on that deal. It was a, you know, $4 average ticket merchant. I'm like, Square is willing to lose money on that. You're not. You're not. What? So go, move to the next one, right? right. So awesome. All right, we'll jump on to another one here. Our next question comes from Thomas Troyer. It says, what is the future of the industry? What percentage of businesses are doing cash discounting in the U.S. now? And where do you see things going over the next three to five years? So, uh, you know, first of all, I thought I'd answer this first question. You know, Patty and I were talking about it a little bit ago about what percentages of businesses are, are doing cash discounting. Uh, we have no idea. We don't think anybody has any idea. It's just no. too new, right? It's literally been a, in the last year. It's, it's way too new. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know... Again, it's a network thing, and so the the thing is, it's very geographic. Right. Very, you go in an area where you know this is one of those things where you you don't necessarily want to be the pioneer. You know, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. go into a market where there's already 50 merchants doing cash discounting. You're going to sell the next 50 pretty easily. Right. You go in where nobody even knows what it is. It's, it's going to be a little be more a, challenging. It's going to be a slog. Yeah, absolutely, is. absolutely. So, so we'll leave that there. I mean, I really don't know that, but I thought I would let, turn over to Patty as more of the payments expert. You know, Patty, over the next three to five years, what are changes you see that are going to impact the sales rep in this industry? Well, I, I think cash discounting is definitely yeah. going to be one of those. I agree. Uh, and although I think it, the jury's still out in terms of how it's going to all fall out, um, but I do think um, that there's going to be, you know, the the quest. The merchants are, you know, they always talk about mm -hmm. their thin margins and they're going to be. And, and and some people, some merchants, I think, actually see this as a way of making money. Right. Um, and so I think there's going to be a lot more interest in that. I think you're going to see it, though. This is my own personal opinion, but I yeah. think you're going to see a geographic um, progression that starts somewhere near the middle of the country yeah and then works its way out to the two coasts sure this isn't really a big city thing yet it really isn't and i and i yeah. really think you know the east coast west coast you have a whole lot of different attitudes right um whereas in the midwest i think and in, in the central states you know there's there's a little bit more willingness to kind of sure go go against the grain right. with respect to business um absolutely you know and, and i think you have to you have to play it that way too. If you're going to pitch it, you know, you have to pitch it as we're going against the establishment. Yes. This is, you know, Visa, MasterCard, and the big banks have been ripping you off for years when you look at the UK and Australia mm -hmm, and these other, mm -hmm. and Canada even, mm -hmm. that are paying a fraction of the interchange cost. You know, it's time to stand up and say no. So, so again, whether you believe that particular line or not, the point is, you know, the presentation to the merchant in these in these communities has to be, we're getting together, we're fighting against the big banks. Yes. Small businesses 
love to fight against the big banks, don't they? Oh, of course. And that's, again, why I think the the middle of the country, you're going to see much more activity because there's, a, sure. you know, the big banks, let's be honest, they contr- you know they kind of dominate the East Coast and the West Absolutely. Coast. Absolutely. And, and sure. then in the Midwest, people are like, eh, I don't like those big East Coast banks. I don't like those big West Coast banks. And you know, there's not you know, there's enough of us around that remember that Visa used to be Bank AmeriCard, for example, right? right? right. Um, sure, before they were independent, right? They were actually, they, yeah, yeah, they were so. actually part of it. So I think that that's going to be a, a big thing. I think you're going to see a lot more um, focus on the on the MLS becoming a consult the sort of the consultative MLS. Right. Sure. They, you know, small businesses are competing against Walmart and all the big mm-hmm. chains, and they're competing against each other, and they're competing against the economy. They need help. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, you have to add value. You have to add value over right. and above merely right. moving credit card transactions. Yeah, you don't just come over and say, "I can save you twenty bucks a month." That's a, that's a good enough reason. No, what do you what do you have to offer? And it's like I tell in my videos, I talk a lot about you know when I went out in this local where we're at right now, I've you know mm-hmm. I sold hundreds of merchants out here, and um, you know a big part of that was I'm QuickBooks certified. Uh huh. Now, did I use that in credit card processing? Not really that much. No, but, but it helps, like, doesn't it? Yeah, I walk in. I you know so you know I'm a marketing guy. I know Facebook marketing. You know so whatever your niche is, maybe you were you know a bookkeeper before this. Maybe you were a writer. Whatever it is, you know what can you bring to the table for those businesses? You've got to be somebody who can add who can add value to them. Right? right, right, and 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 you really need to be their partner, and you really need to be their partner in an, an advocacy way. Right. You know. Um, I think one of the things we've talked about before is that there's much more of a need for back-end integration. Yeah. For example, you know, integration mm-hmm. with QuickBooks. QuickBooks. Yep. Um, how can you how can you bring that value sure. to your merchants? Well, and I think know? it even goes back to a deeper understanding of operations. Mm-hmm. How does this business currently operate, mm-hmm. and what can you do to help improve the efficiency and the profitability of that operation? And and that and that's the what you have to that has to be your calling card. Right. Exactly. You know, not I'm selling you. I'm selling you cheap payment services. Right. You know, your calling card is I'm going to make your business more efficient exactly. and more profitable. You know, I always, it's like, you want to have a relationship with me. Right. I'm a profitable person to know. Right. And that's all it is. And that's what the key is. If you right. can be their business partner right. and show them profits, you'll have a customer right. for life. And merchant services is the door opener to say, this is a no brainer. I'm going to save you a little bit of money or match the rate you have now. But what you're going to get with that is a relationship with me. And then when you need capital right. for, to grow your business, you know that you can turn to me. Right. When you need that point of sale system, right. whatever it is, I'm here to help you. Right. So absolutely. Patty, I've really enjoyed doing our first uh, show together. This Same is exciting, here. right? Yes, it is. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, all of you that are listening to this podcast. Uh, we have many, many more to come, and I hope that you'll be listening in. Uh, yes, and I do too. Thank you again. Thank you.